1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Road to Roll Football Show. I am Patrick Doherty, joined today by Kyle Dvorczyk, Denny Carter. We're going to get to some of the week's biggest news, including Jameson Williams's hamstring injury and the continued hampering of his career. Traylon Burks getting carted off with a knee injury and, I guess, escaping with only a sprained LCL. Then we are going to get into, it's the time of year, for ADP battles, ADP debates. Just going to debate two kind of like ADP conundrums, not a few ADP conundrums that come up in every position. This player versus this player. Deshaun Watson is the QB9 versus Dak is the QB12. Joe Mixon versus Jameer Gibbs. These were hand-picked by Kyle Dvorak, by the way. If Denny, right. Denny hopped um, on,
2: too. He, oh, he yeah. called me right after. He was like, get me in on this. Um, if they're, if they're I, I, I dictated. You forgot to say I dictated everything.
1: He did. Denny dictated every, Denny he dictates everything behind the scenes. I He's a tyrant. Yeah, I'm, um, I am tired. tyrant. He's an absolute tyrant. Um he told us, by the way, to continue praising his new haircut and we were <laughs> <laughs> We do refuse. I
2: was, I
3: Pat, you missed it. Back in the green room before the show, I was talking to Denny about his new haircut.
2: Yeah, I will never yeah, he, ever. He was like, So did you like get it cut or what's going on?
3: <laughs> I knew I just knew it was different. I was like, have I not seen you in a few weeks and it's longer?
2: Or did you get it cut and it's really short? Are what did like, prompt it, Denny? Because you had a signature look. Um oh, I don't stuff. know. I, I just I, I just i've been i've been experimenting with it off off air okay yeah yeah and yeah, i just call yeah. it it's it's time but mostly guys mostly i need a haircut like, <laughs> you know that that's my issue right now i, I need a damn haircut so hopefully i can there i can squeeze that in there is a way to solve that denny there is but here's the thing i go to dc to get my haircut really are you yeah. serious and, and I and I will not go any. I will not see anyone else but Nicole in DC to cut my hair. Um, how did so that come about? How was that commute? I uh, that commute is fifty minutes one way.
0: Oops, and
2: yes. yeah, no. I, and you don't even want to know how much I'm paying. I mean, basically, oh. I have to I have to call my fin- financial advisor to move some money around every so time. So see,
1: I Denny, for- he he plays golf. Um, he drinks seltzers, <laughs> He goes to the big city to get an expensive haircut. And yet he's supposed to be a tribune of the people. Very, curious. I am, you
2: know, yes, that's true. All those things make sense to me.
1: Um, very, very, very curious. You know what's also very curious is Jameson Williams never playing football. That's it's not true. something he really does. The he number, what was he? The number 10, number 12 overall pick of the 2022 draft. A very high draft pick by the Lions who missed most of his rookie year with a torn ACL. We knew about that, but then he came back. Didn't really do anything in six games. Got suspended for gambling for six more games, and is now missing the rest of the preseason with a strained hamstring. You know, we'll have people saying it's still very early in his career. It's been what only sixteen months since he was drafted, but he's doing the things that like a bust does, where he's not playing. He's having like boneheaded off the field issues. He's getting hurt a lot. He was apparently like not standing out in practice before this. There was a lot like he's dropping the ball. He's not getting open. And the coaches were basically saying, what were the the Lions coach comments about like how he's going to get the ball? I think they were saying he's going to have to like win 50-50 balls or something. That's never good.
3: I don't know if this is the exact quote you're talking about, but I believe it was Dan Campbell who said like, yeah, he's never going to be a guy who's like really good at catching the football. But that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. I'm like, I don't know if it is. And then the expanded comments were like, what you expect, but both in a good way and a bad way. It was like, Yeah, we know he's had some drops, but he's like, the point is you get the ball in his hands, and that's how he does his damage. Like, he's not a hands-winning guy. But I still find it suspicious that he's like, you know, this wide receiver, he's not gonna be much of a ball catcher these days, he's he's more of doing the other stuff. And I was like, hmm. I don't know. I get in theory what you're
1: saying, but in practice, it sounds bad. It Sounds very bad. I'm gonna ask Denny about something else the coach said, but that also reminds me apparently Elijah Moore this week. The, the Browns are like, We're gonna get him on jet sweeps, we're gonna get him on screens, and like that was posited to me as good. And it was like, Actually, when I hear that, it means they have no idea how to get him the ball.
2: Yeah, he's uh, gonna be
1: a gunner, we yeah, think he yeah. can do our taxes. He's <laughs> yeah. actually would be a natural in the Taysom Hill role. Uh, but Denny, what were they just saying now? What was Coach Dan Campbell saying with yeah. Jameson Williams? I just hamstring injury because. I had some pushback on Twitter when I tweeted that uh, certainly looking like a bust. Some people were saying that is not the case. Dan Campbell was maybe kind of saying that was the case.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I do want to emphasize how much the Lions wanted Jameson Williams. Uh, our producer Adam says, uh, reminds us that the Lions traded the uh, number 32, number 34, and th- 66 picks to the Vikings uh, for the number 12 pick. And uh, that's where they picked Williams. So, you know, gave up a lot. And they don't have much to show for it. Um, uh, yeah, Dan Campbell seems not incredibly happy about Jameson Williams likely being out until the, until at least the regular season. He said that uh, you know he he's going to miss he's going to miss a lot. He's going to miss practice. He's going to miss games. They wanted to get him some reps. The, the Lions have talked a lot about getting him a, getting Williams a lot of preseason reps. Not going to happen now. So yeah, they did in the first preseason game. Like it was yes. obvious
3: that like he understandably needs it. He hasn't gotten to play a lot. And uh, sorry to jump in, but Pat, I was reading through the comments on your Twitter, and one, you know, a few of them are like, he wasn't going to play anyways. He's going to be healthy for it. But like, you know, when is not a good time to miss practice reps that your team is doing a lot to get you when you need to develop, when you are yeah. behind the eight ball, having not yeah. played much, if any, football in, like, the past year and a half. This is not the time to be missing them. Miss them when you're 26 and you can afford to sit out practice every Wednesday. Not now. Yeah, people, like,
2: people are, people are going to wish that James Williams was the number two behind Amon Ross St. Brown. It's not, it's not going to happen. So. No, so two things, yeah. These
1: were – to be frank, probably the most important practice reps of Jameson Williams' entire career, these final few weeks of training camp. This was like kind of his last shot to make like a first impression with the coaching staff or to change their first impression. Instead, just like as was the case with DeAndre Swift, he's just confirming all like the the early like negative reviews of his game, number one of which he just isn't out there ever. He can't stay on the field uh, for whatever reason it is. He's not out there on the field and – I, I think that this coaching staff is probably done with him now. Like, their perceptions are locked in on Jamison Williams. And, you know, at least two more years to go on his rookie contract, but he's going to have to just hit the ground like a rocket to, yeah. really, to really rebuild his standing in Detroit. And, I mean, I see zero reason to stash him in redraft leagues, correct?
2: Uh, If it's deep, if it's a deep league, I I think that you could do worse than Stash him. But really, I mean, like 12 team league with like five bench spots. I, I can't see a compelling argument for throwing him at the end of your bench when you could use that on like running backs who might fall into volume or I don't know, backup kickers. Who knows?
3: Yeah, even even in a deep league, I understand that he should be rostered. But I'm never – there's no deep league where I'm going to be the one willing to pay the most for him. I understand why you would roster him in a deep yeah. league, but not at the price the guy who drafts him is going to pay. It will it'll just won't be me.
1: So a- another big one, a kind of bigger, more discouraging, and kind of a guy who already has some strikes against him. But unlike Jameson Williams, did produce as a rookie, had streaks of production. Traylon Burks was carted off the practice field on Wednesday. Thankfully, I guess he has, quote, escaped with the sprained LCL, nothing torn, nothing that's going to keep him out for the season. Is something where he's going to lose very valuable practice reps as they break in their new number one receiver in DeAndre Hopkins? Is something keeping him off the field yet again? He's a guy in two years who has missed a lot of practice. Unlike Jameson Williams, we're still going to be drafting Traylon Burks in like 10 or 12-team redraft leagues, maybe even 10-team redraft leagues, maybe (laughs) probably 10-team. But how does this change things with Traylon Burks? And – before you know, you could almost make the case that he might make an end around on Titans' number one receiver status. Th- that's probably out the window now. Too. DeAndre Hopkins was the favorite, but I, like, there's not going to be like any like surprise attack. Traylon Burks' number one receiver at this point.
2: I mean, at least for now. I mean, it's a, it's a long season, so in three months we could be singing a different tune. But yeah, I I, I think that it would be probably a long shot for Burks to be 100 percent for Week One. I know that they said two weeks that brings us into what early September so you know I, I it just it seems it seemed like a very optimistic sort of situation with him like yeah yeah he's fine he just uh, he just had to be carted off because of ligament damage in his knee <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't want to hear that you know as, as I, 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 I ain't reading all that and also he's gonna he's he's gonna have to drop like two rounds in ADP for me to be interested and I'm already not super interested.
3: I think he might drop far enough where I'm where I am. It's like I, I agree that it is a long season. He was a really talented prospect and he got on the field and was inefficient, was efficient at times last year. I do agree, though, that this really is going to give him a slow start to the season. Like I think he's a, a coin flip, probably maybe a little better than a coin flip to play week one, but you're not playing him like assuming you know it's not a best ball format you're not starting him in week one right maybe not even in week two we saw last year that they gave him a really slow ramp up and it didn't help that he got injured during the season but he didn't hit a 70% snap share until the third to last game of the season he played like special team snaps in week one like it was clear his ramp up was deliberately slow and that was when they were in desperate need of receiving talent now they actually have DeAndre Hopkins they can uh, to some degree afford to slow play him I think that's what we'll see. I agree, Denny, though. He was a really good prospect. The season was long. You could get that, you know, the, the end around backdoors, DeAndre Hopkins for target leader. But now I'm, I've pushed that outcome to being like, it could happen in week eight to like, you're hoping it comes in the fantasy playoffs. And that's like, that's the aspiration. That is not the median.
1: So we haven't seen a full ADP adjustment on underdog or anywhere yet because it just happened yesterday. Uh, so this is not going to be like his real life ADP. He's currently the wide receiver 45 on underdog. Here are some of the people he could immediately fall past: Are we, Traylon Burks, or another major question mark player, Cortland Sutton, Danny Carter.
2: Uh, I mean, you know, Sutton apparently is reformed. Uh, he's uh, lost weight. He's all the way back from his ACL injury. So I'd I, I lean Sutton.
1: Me too. Um, Traylon Burks or Michael Thomas?
2: <laughs> oh, I
1: think I, I think I go Burks. I think you've
3: already found the point. There are probably guys lower on the list that I will. There's be two but, more really crazy ones.
2: Can I okay. can I tell you something just real quick? Really, something kind of funny about Michael Thomas. I read a long athletic piece about Michael Thomas yesterday, and in, in it, he refused to call himself one hundred percent because because guys, no one is ever one hundred percent. That's what yeah, I respect that.
1: Sense. That is what you say when you are 62 and the doctors told you in the next two to three years, you will need a hip replacement. Yeah,
2: that I, I um, was. So, yeah, I guess perks
1: <laughs> <laughs> like uh, uh, hip feels good today. Uh, yeah. Grandpa, I think you can walk down to the beach with us today. I think so today. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you about tomorrow. Uh,
3: Ah, I'll tell you what, Michael humidity Thomas Humidity knows. is
1: looking kind of high tomorrow. We'll see. Oh, no, that was my joke. Oh, was oh, <laughs> oh. It was I'll tell you what, Michael Thomas knows when it's gonna rain. He knows any minute when it's gonna rain. <laughs> he no. does. Michael Thomas always knows when a storm is coming. Uh Michael Thomas, or excuse me, Traylon Burks or Rashad Bateman. Bateman. Uh,
2: uh, this is gross. Two guys who can't stay on the field. Great. Um Burks.
1: Bateman is currently healthy. Um, the final gross I mean,
2: one. The you know. this is
1: the like the neutron bomb one, Kadarius Tony or Traylon Burks. Oh God. I'm I'm
2: a I'm out on Tony at any ADP. So
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony's in the Jameson Williams zone. Like I'll let you guys figure out where to draft him. I ain't doing that.
2: All yeah. I'll say on Burks is that
1: it's not good advice to say never draft an injured player, but in the NFL, the season is just so short. And you have a guy that is not guaranteed to be healthy for week one, probably won't be healthy for the entirety of September. You know, the season is so short. The teams always rush people back too soon. Traylon Burks, a guy who already kind of needed a lot to go, right? This is looking like a stay away type player. Basically. I'll say for Tony
3: in this one, it's not a good idea to say, I'm never going to be a healthy player. As far as Tony
1: is is concerned. I wish at some point he'd be healthy. Seems very poor. Denny, you get the final word.
2: Yeah. Tony would be, I've, I you know I want Tony to be a thing, but I've I've given up on that dream. I've let that go. That's a balloon floating in the air towards space. Uh oh. i I'm just I'm not. I'm not I I refuse to believe that Kadari's Tony is suddenly going to be perfectly healthy and play a full season. That's simply not happening. A
1: balloon floating in the air towards space that Denny's Midwestern relatives are demanding that the US Air Force shoot down
0: <laughs> because
1: it could be a spy balloon. It could be. We don't know. We will be right back after this with the NFL season quickly approaching. Now is the perfect time to get your road or fantasy football draft guide. Get ready for your draft and stay one step ahead of your league during the preseason with updated player rankings, profiles, projections, mock drafts, and more go to NBC sports.com slash draft guide and use promo code draft 2023, to save 20% off a checkout. That is NBC sports.com slash draft guide promo code draft 2023 to save 20% off at checkout. We are now here to debate, Uh, you know, uh, we're like, we're constructing some debates because we're just like smashing two players together. You could say, uh, Pat, Denny, Kyle, you could literally do this with any two players. And you know what? You're right. You're right. (laughs) You're absolutely right. Um, But these are some ones we found pretty interesting. Mr. Kyle, Mr. Denny took the lead today. What is the first one we want to talk about, Mr. Kyle? Uh, we've got Deshaun Watson versus Dak Prescott. I believe
3: uh, Denny, Denny actually, when we proposed this, Denny almost said we shouldn't do this one because he thought it would be a clean sweep for Dak. I don't know where Rotopat stands. We won't know where Rotopat stands for any of these, but I do know that I personally would go Deshaun Watson. And I think it's not because I think Deshaun Watson having a better season is the more likely outcome. I think in the majority of seasons, Dak Prescott, who has been consistently good will be better than Deshaun Watson, but being consistently good as the QB 11, I just don't care. Like Jared Goff is consistently not that far off and he goes like QB 15, Geno Smith. If I'm taking a quarterback in this range, I want them to be the QB one overall. I don't really see any scenario in which Dak becomes the QB one overall. Deshaun Watson, who is the number two active yards per attempt leader, number five active touchdown rate leader, number five active EPA per play leader, number four active CPOE leader, is the guy who, if someone that isn't currently going as a top five quarterback ends up as the QB one or just a top three quarterback, it's going to be him. It's just not going to be Dak. So I'm willing to give up some median outcome to go for Deshaun Watson, because if I was shooting for floor, like Jared Goff's floor isn't that much different than Dak's. I just who cares? Just take the cheaper guy.
1: Did you really just say, you compare Jared Goff and Dak, Prescott? Right? I mean, actually, they're really not that dissimilar, but my God. I think Dak's They are. Better. Hold on. Yeah, like, they are. Hold on. Yeah, sorry. Dak's uh, better. No, I think Dak's
3: better. But like, in terms of how it plays out in fantasy points, like, what do you get? Like two, two, three points? Like, neither of these, the point is neither of them have a chance of being, you know, what we think Justin Herbert is going to be or what we saw from Herbert two years ago or Burrow. Whereas like, Watson literally has been that before. It, is it the Watson rushing? Is that what you're talking about? No, I mean, he, he
1: literally threw for, like,
3: nearly 5,000
1: <laughs> That's yards. the thing. I mean, I'm just I'm tired of talking about Deshaun Watson. You can probably guess why. But the fact is, the last time he played a full season, he probably could have won the MVP. And it was with the receiver core that DeAndre Hopkins was already gone from that receiver core then um, in 2020. Uh, could have won the MVP with, like, a Will Fuller-led receiver core. They upgraded his receiver core this year. He's got – a, a, another really good young deep threat in Cedric Tillman to compliment, maybe rotate with Donovan people's Jones has one of the better overall receivers in the entire league and Amari Cooper. They got another underneath guy and Elijah Moore who, yeah, you know, sure. He doesn't get open, but we're coming up with ways to get him the ball. Um, they have an explosive playmaking tight end and David and Joku has the best rushing attack of his entire career. He's never played with a running back. Like Nick Chubb isn't joining the offense midseason Like he was last year. And, yeah, you know, he's not—he's uh, not someone you want to root for, but he is someone that is gonna probably come roaring back in fantasy football. And I do think, as Kyle's saying, has a, has a much higher potential ceiling than Dak Prescott.
2: I feel like we're getting the the drip 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 at a Browns camp about how bad things are looking right now. And uh, we had a uh, a blurb today on RotoWorld.com. If you guys would like, to check it out. Sounds like neither of you saw it, but let me let me read it to you. Uh, in fact, uh,
1: he, not only did I see it, Zach Kruger texted it to me. So okay, well, bet you, bet you feel kind of dumb.
2: No, I do, incredibly.
1: Uh, <laughs> Tell the people what it says. The Athletic reported yeah,
2: that uh, Brown's passing game has been quote completely unimpressive end quote in training camp. He's uh, Zach Jackson. The Athletic re- reporter says anything that involves Deshaun Watson remaining in the pocket has been an, an adventure, and not since early in camp. Have we seen a string of consecutive completions in any 11 on 11 period? My God, that is bleak guys. Listen, he, this doesn't work in Stefanski's system. Like, like he was, uh, Watson was out there playing, uh, doing playground ball in Houston. Okay. Uh, plays breaking down, scrambling. You're, you're muted. You're muted.
1: And having it work spectacularly. I said, sorry,
2: that's right. And, and it did. And, and that's no longer the case he's 3 years older than than the time that you guys are citing stats for okay um uh he's in okay. a gonna... Ta- denny
1: uh, says the time passes right next
2: <laughs> <laughs> no it's a
1: very compelling point
2: no you know? it's totally
3: compelling yeah. sure,
1: sure. <laughs> yeah.
2: he's uh he's in a completely different offense uh he's playing i'm sorry but he's playing in a in a in an apocalyptic cold weather stadium where the the, the wind blows 50 miles an hour every single Sunday. Couldn't
1: even get out of the state the other day, Ohio. Yeah. So um, this was August. This was August, not October.
2: You remember this. Okay. So like, like I, I just, I, I just think there are too many red flags. And also this comes from the guy who wrote a piece about how Mike McCarthy is a dinosaur and doesn't pay attention to analytics. Okay. So I wrote that piece uh, I've looked further into it. And actually I did mention in, in the article that nothing, nothing in McCarthy's history, nothing actually says that he's going to do this thing where they stubbornly run the ball to rest the defense or whatever he said. Okay. I'm paraphrasing, but that, I, that, that's just, I don't see that happening. In fact, I could see us pleasantly surprised as fantasy managers with the pass rate of the Cowboys this year. I don't know if it's gonna work. Okay. I don't and I don't care. I don't care if the Cowboys don't win a game this year. But it, I think that Dak will drop back more than we think. And he has a pretty good you know receiver group. So uh, that I'm going with Dak. Denny hitching his
1: wagon to Mike McCarthy. Very interesting. Well,
2: you know, well not, Pat hitching. we
1: just hissed, we just hitched our wagon to Deshaun Watson. So let's not get oh, all high yeah, money. Don't here. Put that, yeah. yeah don't and put that in the paper. So who who's compromised more? Yeah, they don't put that in the paper. Uh, what's the next ADP conundrum we want to talk about, Kyle Dvorak? Or, or is it Denny Carter? Who wants to take the lead on this one? Go ahead, Kyle. Go for it, Denny. No, <laughs> okay,
3: I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take yeah, it. You go. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, you go.
3: I got it. I got it. It's uh, oh, was this? Jameer Gibbs uh, versus Joe Mixon, actually. This is a really interesting one. A lot of these, like, I think, we're using like to feel how we feel about them. Because I know Denny was like, yeah, I think it's Joe Mixon. Let me look into it. And Denny, did you look into it anymore? Because I, I feel, this one I feel confident about. I, I knew for me it was Gi- Jameer Gibbs right away. You yeah. looked into Joe Mixon. You said you were leaning Mixon. Did you gain confidence through your research? Or am I right already? I could easily be right already, I
2: think. No, I, I, I would. <laughs> so here's the thing. I would lean Mixon because, you know, he's going to score touchdowns. And I feel like that's the missing ingredient for Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs would probably be really exciting, really cool. Lots of really cool receptions and speed, and he's going to burn. He's going to make linebackers look silly. We, we, we'll we we'll get all that, okay? And Mixon's not particularly impressive by any means. But, you know, last year we saw what it was like for Mixon to finally get some uh, pass game, you know, in, involvement. 75 targets, 60 receptions, 440 yards, and two touchdowns th- uh, through the air to go along with his 210 carries in 14 games. Uh, I, that's, that's a, that's a fantastically valuable workload in an offense that sees a lot of positive game script. And while they are, while the Bengals will remain pass heavy and they should, they should be, uh, Mixon faces a a lot of, uh, advantageous situations. He also importantly gets the goal line work, which Gibbs will probably not get
1: Kyle. Why are you so confident in Jameer Gibbs? I would be stunned
3: if the Lions spent the amount of draft capital they spent on him and didn't give him a lot of touches, particularly targets. I think the goal line work, that's probably a fair a fair criticism of what we can expect from Gibbs. But the average number of touches for a first-round running back in the past decade is 258. The average for a top 15 pick is 279. At the low end was Christian McCaffrey, ironically, and I think Gibbs... Skill set comps to him, McCaffrey entered the league a bit bigger and he bulked up pretty quickly as he got into the league, but a sort of usage standpoint, McCaffrey got to 230 PPR points as a rookie, didn't even sniff 200 carries. I think that's a somewhat reasonable floor. I mean, that frankly is close to the floor outside of Rashad Penny getting hurt. That has been close to the floor for a first round running back and especially the top 15 running backs. That's kind of what we can come to expect from an okay outcome as far as the first round rookies go. If you even get close to sort of the average first-round rookie pushing well over 250 touches from a player who I expect to be far more efficient on a per efficient on a per-touch basis, I think gives us an absolute smash. So I think it's just a really strong floor-ceiling combo where you can probably bet on touches, probably you know mixing and sh- straight up raw touches. I'd take him there, but in terms of like targets plus, even if you just like, targets plus ends or uh, red zone carries, I would frankly, I'd still take Gibbs straight up because he's going to out target Mixon to no end.
2: I, I don't know, man. I I, I feel cannot, like I think Mixon tough. could out target Gibbs. I, I think say.
1: what I I think what I think is that my case is more of a negative Mixon case than a positive Gibbs case because we know that things just a lot of times don't work out the way teams are expecting. We're like these rookie change of pace backs. It's pretty rare to see a guy with such insane draft capital in that role, which does lead you to believe it will be different with Jameer Gibbs. We know that he's got the skill set that's going to like scream playing important downs, except for maybe not at the goal line, of course, where David Montgomery uh, – this it is David Montgomery, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. David Montgomery. Mixon, I just think the Bengals don't want to do this again. Like I think the 60 receptions was a fluke. To be honest, you know, they spent the whole offseason basically telegraphing they didn't feel like they really needed him on the roster, that, that they would prefer that he was on the roster, clearly, since he, they did keep him on the roster after a restructure. But you know, they spent time talking up Travion Williams. They used a day three pick on Chase Brown, who can do some of the things that Joe Mixon does. And Joe Mixon was so inefficient, like especially on the ground last year. He could just continue to regress in that area and maybe kind of like force his way off the field. I mean, this is a guy last year who. It's still like sh- stunning to me how many third downs Joe Mixon did not play and yet still somehow caught sixty passes. It just seemed like it's it crazy. The confluence of events that was, like can't happen again. Well, that's uh, I, I think the floor is going to kind of start to fall out for Joe Mixon
2: because they they throw so much and he was actually in there on <laughs> on, on, on those passing plays. By the way, it, it, he, Mixon at least and unless things change dramatically for him this year, and I I don't really see that happening. Uh, last year only Jamal Williams had more carries inside the 10-yard line than Mixon. Mixon at 29 in 14 Guess games.
1: Guess who's getting those this year? Uh, yeah, I was about to man, say the same thing. The even
2: though Jameer Gibbs, except it's not,
1: it's David Montgomery. Yeah, I'm it's sorry. probably David Montgomery. But it, yeah. it it could be it, it it could be Jameer Gibbs
3: who Maybe. gets those 40, Jamil. would you say 60, uh, 200 some inside the five carries? What call <laughs>
2: five. Jamal Williams had
1: 45
3: no, rushing no, 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 attempts no. It was 172,
2: 172. That's right why now. every time you turned on your TV, it was like, and here's Jamal Williams scoring. <laughs> <laughs> and you just
1: 2.1 yards per carry and is two times the amount of touchdowns of any other player in the league.
2: So, yeah, I, I, th- that's the Mixon's role is so valuable in a good yeah. offense. I don't know,
1: it might as truly like gut level analysis but my my gut level analysis on Joe Mixon is that they just they don't love what he brings to the table and that he kind of keeps like defaulting into it but that they're looking for reasons to not use him the way he was used last oh. year. Thankfully there's nobody else. There it is I think that's the strongest argument awesome. is like I losing they could play him on third downs like they lost
3: to on JP Ryan and like Chris evan Travion Williams were guys who they were splitting between healthy scratches cuz like oh this guy plays special teams let's get him out there. No, let's go with this one. And, you know, day three pick on another running back doesn't move the needle a ton. I think that's the argument is is that he's just going to play a ton of snaps on a great offense. He can even play more, you know, passing downs. It's just not an argument I love to make. It's the argument we always fall into is like, well, someone's got to get these touches. But then it's rarely the guy we are betting on because he's he's there in drafts only
1: because of volume, not because of what we perceive as talent. It's very It is always a problem. Only, and that sometimes it works for like a year. No, mm-hmm. so that – very quickly, it always says diminishing returns. Like, the, yeah, pure- I mean, it's worked with James Conner. Like, I think James Conner was fine two years ago. I keep getting he was away with solid, it, yeah. but man, he was an incredible fantasy option two years ago. I thought about just playing an absolutely pointless joke in you guys and saying that the Bengals hosted Leonard Fournette for a visit today and how yeah, I hope they do. How My backs need feel? that. How does that make you feel? But they, they didn't, and they're not going to do that. Yeah, no, forget you guys. They're not going to do that. <laughs> Denny, what's an ADP conundrum you want to talk
0: about?
2: Yeah, so we have, um, Another another running back situation here. Uh, we have Antonio Gibson uh, versus Khalil Herbert. Um, Kyle, do you have their ADPs in front of you by chance?
1: I do. Denny Carter, uh, Khalil Herbert is the RB thirty four on Underdog, of course, and Antonio Gibson is the RB thirty two.
2: Right, so it's they're they're right next to each other. So uh, I uh, at risk of you know stepping all over Pat here. I I I side. With uh, Antonio Gibson here, uh, mostly because I'm trusting that Eric Bieniemy's uh, offense will include a lot of a lot of checkdowns, a lot of passes to the running back. In this case, it should be Antonio Gibson for the most part. Um, we've seen how valuable that role can be for Jarek in Jarek McKinnon in Kansas City uh, over the past couple seasons. I, I think that Gibson is the kind of guy who can take that kind of workload, that sort of opportunity and be efficient with it, be good with it uh, and not have to not have to be shoehorned into this weird kind of, you know, maybe he's a running back. Maybe he's not just just deploy him like almost strictly as as a pass catcher. I, I could see him being a PPR, you know, uh, Marvel this year.
1: Where, th- these are two very fascinating players even if you're not talking about them like in relation against each other just in a vacuum antonio gibson and cleo herbert are two of the more fascinating adps this summer kyle where, where are you falling on the side of the denny manufactured debate <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm joking not about not about all because again we could do this with literally any two players but we're doing it the ones we wanted to where do you fall kyle Yeah,
3: give me, give me Khalil Herbert. Uh, I draft, I typically draft good players, and that's what I'm gonna be doing again here. No, I I think that he's right about we will finally get the most efficient version of Antonio Gibson, but that's because they're gonna stop using him as a running back. Like, he has been dreadfully inefficient yeah, what was well, up well, with
1: the way they used him for so yeah, many i mean years.
3: he was a college he was a college like utility basically wide receiver he was a college college wide receiver who at best like got some carries and then they brought him in to make him a two down banger it was poor decision making from the team the good news is that they will be maximizing his skill set the bad news is that's like it's not a skill set I really want to be chasing where he's going in drafts. When you have Khalil Herbert, who last year was just straight up one of the most efficient running backs in the league, he led the league in rush yards over expected per attempt, and he was top five in success rate per NFL's Next Gen stats. I think you're sort of you're definitely giving up some of the pass catching work. Khalil Herbert's been a pretty eh, pass catcher. I know he's working on his pass blocking this off season. I don't expect Justin Fields to even check down that much, despite the one preseason highlight but to me, I'm more willing to chase the guy who's playing a more traditional role that he is incredible at. You know, he was, he was great at it last year. And anytime he spot started for Dave Montgomery, he was elite. Then Antonio Gibson, who has to at least jump through a few hoops of like that role has to actually exist. They have to give it to him. And they did not give that role, or at least a facsimile of that role to him when they had JD McKissick, which like, sure, JD McKissick is good. But if Antonio Gibson was that good, my intuition is they would have played him in that role. So I like. I think Gibson is a fine pick. I'm just really concerned that he he seemingly has yet to make the transition to running back. I think he is a passing downs only guy, whereas Herbert's more likely to get a decent amount of rushing work that he's great on. I think he could improve as a pass catcher.
1: I'm going with Denny on, on Gibby just because I think he I th- he has some hoops to jump through. I think he has fewer hoops to jump through. To if, if we ask today, like what is Khalil Herbert week one? We wouldn't fully know what the role is going to be. If we asked today what Antonio Gibson's role week one, I think you can pretty confidently say that he will be the pass-catching back. And I feel pretty
3: good about Khalil Herbert's role, frankly. He played every snap with the starters, and their investments at running back have been relatively light. Like, it's Deontay Foreman. They,
1: they were investments at running back, and they were like kind of like role-playing type investments. So like Deontay Foreman, you're adding Deontay Foreman if you want him to handle early down carries, basically. And you're adding Roshan Johnson. Done. If you want some some pace changing, and I don't know if you heard, roshan has been throwing some hellacious pass blocks. In Bears better watch out. Camp. You better better watch out. And I just think – and the commander's offense, uh, I mean, I was about to say it's going to be bad. It might not be bad. It might be limited. And it just screams a lot of yes. quarterback checkdowns to right. me. Much more than Justin Fields in the Bears. Because we know Justin Fields, was in, when he's in like a running back checkdown type situation, he's like, should I check down for four yards or should I run for 19 and 90? Can I, will I, I run 90? for ninety? It, yeah. it is always 81 yards. He somehow averaged like, like only like seven yards per carry. despite having two 81 yard rushes every game. Just Dude, but.
2: I, I thought the same thing. Look, uh, Sam Howell and his only start last year was just everything short, everything near line of scrimmage, just beyond line of scrimmage in the preseason game against the Browns last week. Same deal. Okay. I'm not going to bore you guys with the numbers, but just trust me on this. Uh, and and so I think that speaks, that speaks well of a short area pass catcher like, like Gibson. I will say on, on Herbert, I like Herbert as a player. I hope he does well. I also can't ignore that they drafted Roshan Johnson. I know it was a fourth round pick. One thing that interests me about any bears running back who gets the, the lead back role is that PFF graded uh, the bears as the second best run blocking unit last year. So they they're pretty good at that part of the game. Could be excellent for whoever gets that role.
1: It is gonna be really interesting. To, I said just two independently, even when we're not speaking about them in context of each other, two really, really fascinating running back ADPs. We'll be back to talk some more ADP conundrums right after this. MLB Sunday leadoff heads to Texas, where the Seattle Mariners take on last year's World Series champions, the Houston Astros. Watch these two teams not only battle for position in the American League West, but for the postseason as well. Catch the action live this Sunday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern, exclusively on Peacock. And don't forget, find all your favorite NBC sports shows and Amazon music. Just head to amazon.com slash NBC sports.
2: Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more.
1: Now, you guys might not think I have an off-the-cuff comment ready on the Texas Rangers, but... No, we did. We knew you would. um, I was telling Denny before the show, I've been kind of rattled today by a controversial trade I made in my home fantasy baseball league, which involves me acquiring Max Scherzer, the new ace of the Texas Rangers, and... Max, if you're listening, we need, we need, oh, he, he's not, he's not, I'm talking about the, I keep thinking we're talking about the Rangers, even though it's the you Astros. Yeah, I know, I know. I had to reread the promo because I, uh, I see Texas nice and mean. Anyways, we need Max Scherzer to do well this weekend. Um, it,
2: really you know, know you, not what, what, not every what did you Is the same. You know that, right?
3: Mm-hmm. What did it cost to acquire, uh, Max Scherzer for you. We're back. not going to get
1: into that, um, Kyle, because it's to say it's made some of my better friends very upset. They think that I it was, would put you in some legal hot water. It would. They think that I was, quote, ripping off the 12th place team. First off, he proposed the trade. He proposed it. Not me. Wait, All I did was hit accept.
2: All Scherzer I was accept. Scherzer's a closer now? Oh. <sighs> When did no. this happen? No, he's
1: not. He's, not clear. No. he's, the, ace, you know, he's the ace, I said. Oh, oh, oh I, means I thought He's said
2: closer. Then he means no, he's no, good. sorry. He is the
1: ace of the Texas yeah. Rangers. That's that guy with that dog in him, right? He's yeah. got – not only he has so much dog – the dog levels are so high that he has two different color eyes Then he is, one of the main – I was going to ask
2: yeah, if Scherzer was the guy with two eyes.
1: That's
3: that's really sure.
2: cool. It's a Bowie situation. He's also St. Louis's finest, by the way. Did you know that? But you didn't know that. I mean, he's he's always mad. That's
1: all I he's know. He's always I'm mad because he's from St. Louis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get mad a lot if you're from here, just honking at people for no reason whatsoever on the highway. But it's hot. It's hot. Hot and humid. That's why we always know uh, if it's a good day to take a walk on the beach, even though the, the nearest beach is 2,000 miles away
2: yeah, from wow. St.
1: Louis, Missouri. Nevertheless, got to be tough. Never owned. What is the next ADP conundrum, Kyle Dvorak? We are moving to wide receiver. This is another one where I, I have my answer, but
3: I, I'm I'm down to hear what Denny has to say on this one. The last one, I wasn't. Denny was wrong, and Pat, you're wrong for siding with him. But this one, A.J. Brown versus Stephon Diggs. I am team A.J. Brown, but this is a spot that, like, I find myself in, like, best ball drafts constantly debating if I'm making the right or wrong choice. Yeah. I'm going with A.J. Brown, but Denny, give me the sales pitch on Stephon Diggs. Help me balance out my best ball exposures.
2: So, I, I do fear looking silly at the end of the season here because if the Eagles' defense regresses, which they probably will, they, and the, the Eagles have to keep, I don't know, do something crazy like keep their starters in for more than three quarters, <laughs> then uh, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith or, I mean, the whole the whole crew could go bananas, okay? So, just keep that in mind when you're drafting Eagles. I, I do like to draft my share of Eagles. But uh, Stephen Diggs is not really competing – against anyone for targets. Okay. They brought in Dalton Kincaid, he of one good college game. Uh <laughs> and uh and, and Gabe Davis is one of the worst target commanding receivers in the in the game right now. Um we've talked about that ad nauseum on the show. One 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 thing about Diggs' receiving profile uh that I think was positive in 2022 was that the Bills got him back into the slot more and got him some more of those easy PPR points that we enjoyed in, in 2020. So in uh so in 2021, stick with me here. I'm jumping all over, jumping year to year to year. In 2021, uh his slot rate, Diggs' slot rates fell to 20%. Okay. That got all the way up to 35% last year, which is basically where he was in his first year in Buffalo, and it paid off. Okay. His yards per route run jumped, it got back to that 2020 mark. Um, everything that regressed terribly in 2021. It made him very frustrating. Got back to normal. I like to see that. And again, Josh Allen is going to look for Stefan Diggs first and foremost. Whereas I think AJ Brown kind of, you know, has to compete a little bit for targets with Devontae Smith and or Dallas Goddard.
1: Kyle, do you want me to jump in, or do you want to go on your thoughts on AJ Brown? No, you can roast him. It. Let me roast him. I'm hey, not roast him. Roast him. <laughs> <laughs> you had me. Not, let me roast him.
3: Uh, I'm not. I'm not particularly concerned with the competition for targets because last year AJ Brown had a higher target share than Stephon Diggs, a higher air yard share than Stephon Diggs, a higher red zone target share than Stephon Diggs. It's out of a smaller cut of the pie. I think that's the the thing that makes you know his target share was like one percent different. His red zone target share wasn't that far off. Uh, More so to just say the point that because the Eagles are so condensed, they don't have a third receiver, they don't throw their running backs. Even if Devonta Smith is great, A.J. Brown can still somehow out-target shares to fund digs. So that's not particularly concerning for me. I think, Denny, your point about what you're afraid of is that the Eagles end up having to pass a decent bit more. I still don't think like, there's no reason for them to be a pass first. Teams are so good at running, but I mean, this is literally from stuff you wrote in the off season. Philly averaged 12.3 second half pass attempts per game. They were, own
1: words against them. Curious.
3: I am. Yes. Uh, they in 14, this, these sets don't sound real in 14 games. They threw the ball five or fewer times in the fourth quarter. Like the, you know, as you pointed out, they were just completely salting away games. If we see any amount of passing volume in passing volume increase, it's going to go directly to AJ Brown's like bottom line. He is going to be more so in that top five receiver discussion than that next tier two discussion. So, and I, I just think he's better in the sense of we're trying to determine who like the best receivers in the league are. I think Stefan Diggs is probably next ish on the list, but AJ Brown with only like, with four seasons, all of which in his career are above 2.4 yards per outrun. That's a measure Stevan Diggs has only hit twice in, yeah. I think eight years in his career. Diggs is still great. But I think if A.J. Brown played on the Vikings, he would be, like, a, a, the third overall
1: pick. This is I've noticed something weird with the A.J. Brown discourse where, like, you know, people are saying, like, well... Because since him and Devontae Smith basically tied in targets last year, they basically just talk about them like it's a coin flip. Like, who's going to have more targets this year or maybe even more production? I don't know. Like, could easily be Devontae Smith this year. You never know in that Eagles offense. And, like, just kind of ignoring the fact that A.J. Brown is the, so much more efficient. Not that Devontae Smith is inefficient. It's not even that he's more efficient either. He's just one of the biggest big play threats in the entire game who can make big plays two ways. He can catch the ball down the field and make a big play, or he can be like the yak buzzsaw that he is. So, like, to me, it doesn't even matter, like, if they have the same amount of targets again. Like, I feel like for Devontae Smith to, like, outpoint A.J. Brown and Fancy, he would need, like, 20, more, 20 30 more targets. And – AJ Brown, even with like the not throwing in the fourth quarter, I mean, he had 145 targets. That was like 20 fewer than Steph Diggs. I think he could easily get into the Steph Diggs target range this season. And I, I don't – I think it's very, very unlikely that Devontae Smith ends up outpointing AJ Brown. And AJ Brown's ceiling is just – I mean, he, he – I don't, I don't feel like I could say Steph Diggs has wide receiver one overall in his range of outcomes. I still feel comfortable saying any given year, AJ Brown is wide receiver overall. Wide receiver one overall in his range of outcomes, and it is a very very close debate because Steph is just like so bankable. But I think that in the, on the Eagles, AJ Brown is as bankable as Steph Diggs is on the Bills, and we kind of have to throw out his weird Titans years. And I I had to make this decision in my salary cap draft over the weekend at the King's Classic in Canton, Ohio, and proud to say I went all in on AJ Brown. So uh, now I really need uh, my argument to be true.
2: I I appreciate you guys, uh, battering me with facts and logic. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it is, it is, it is close. One one thing I did mean to mention and I don't know how I forgot this. Uh, Josh Allen had a career low in design runs last year. Maybe, maybe that portends, you know, more, more passing. Who knows? Who knows folks? So, uh, Stefan Diggs, uh, please, please don't make me look foolish. Mm -hmm. I mean, Diggs is going to make you look
3: foolish. Like, no, even that if, is the good news. Yeah. Even if, like, the only thing you're sweating is like the other one finishing as a top two receiver. Like, yeah. I I see the floor of both of these guys as so incredibly high that you're not sweating your own player's failure. I don't really see, other than injury, like I don't see a scenario in which like oh, AJ Brown just couldn't get it together this year. Oh, Diggs fell off finally. Neither of those things are happening. It's the opportunity cost is what you're scared of. Yeah. And, like, I am also definitely open to the idea that I look back and I'm like. Ah, I took twelve hundred yard AJ Brown when I could have gotten sixteen hundred yard Dicks. That's an outcome that can happen. That
1: can happen. That is true. I I do believe that's. fine. I also just think that yeah, the the ultimate ceiling remains higher for AJ Brown, and the floors are similar enough that I'll bet on that upside
2: for AJ, AJ Brown. Brown is the last big receiver, and he is. so I am I am I am rooting for him in that regard.
1: Until Till Cedric Tillman is his name, folks. Cedric Tillman is the one you are you're
2: you're a Til- Tillman head. many are calling I, you I
1: don't know really what turned me into a Tillman. I think I think so were you guys with me when it was Crane talking about I think you were with me when it was Crane talking about just by sheer virtue of like making a draft pick three or four times, you it oh, becomes yeah. a good idea.
2: <laughs> and
1: that, that's where I'm at with Cedric Tillman. I've taken like so many layers. It's obviously a good idea. I mean, I've done it. <laughs> 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 so clearly, it's just a really good idea. That's where I'm at with Ced Tillman. What is the last ADP conundrum before maybe some rapid fire? I might shock you. Yeah, yeah, we've got a final receiver.
3: And then if you want, we can throw you a tight end as well. I will jump into our final receiver ADP battle. It is Calvin Ridley screaming up boards off of some training camp hype and good usage in his first preseason game versus DK Metcalf, who we're still waiting to see if he'll ever outscore Tyler Lockett. As you can tell, I may be on the Calvin Ridley side (laughs) and it's, it's a ceiling argument i guess this will be another time where i'm making the the ceiling argument and i understand the floor is probably lower but when you look at calvin ridley as like i talked about with deshaun watson we're looking back and i think if you are heavily discounting the looking back that's understandable it has been a long time since we've seen calvin ridley play high level football oh but boy was it good back then boy it was 2020 it was uh you know that was one of the only good things going in the year of lower 2020. Say 2020
1: was a great year.
2: <laughs> no, overall. <laughs> Over, a great, great year.
1: We got a good Calvin Ridley
3: season, some other stuff in between 2023. Let's not worry too much about what happened. But <laughs> on a 25% target share, strong target share, not elite, he had a 14 average depth of target, giving him good for over 2,000 air yards. That was like 250 more than the next closest player. Like this is where 150 yard games come from. He was also wasn't just out there running routes like deep routes. He was seventh in yards per route run, he was fourth in ESPN's open score metric or 538's open score metric he was a true alpha and that was playing like half of his games with julio jones out there now he gets to play with trevor lawrence who i think like i think there are a lot of times where we look back and we say like oh trevor lawrence was like turned into joe burrow you had one bad year where he had the worst coaching of my lifetime frankly i think urban Meyer is probably the worst coach of my lifetime and then as soon as he got a competent coach he immediately took a step forward to like a top 10 quarterback by efficiency now they add calvin ridley of the mix like you tell me what's going to happen next. But I think a really strong season is in the range of outcomes and a high target share season is easily in the, out- in the range of outcomes for Ridley. It just seems like this is the perfect spot for it to all come together and Ridley to nuke. I-, I don't love that his price is skyrocketing up boards, but I am fine taking him over Metcalf. That's a leap I'm willing to make.
2: Yeah, I, I-, I don't love the Metcalf side, but I, don't- I also don't love Ridley. I-, I-, I tend to fade both of these guys. This is when
1: you take J.K. Dobbins or Isaiah Pacheco.
2: <laughs> zero zero chance on taking Dobbins, but maybe Pacheco. Uh, yeah, look, uh, uh, John Shipley, the Jaguars reporter, uh, friend writer, of the show,
1: been on the, friend show, of the show.
2: Came on, yeah, he came on last month, and he told us, you know, there, there's not there's not going to be like one guy seeing like 30 percent of the targets in this offense, like, and and also it is the game plan will dictate, you know, which which receiver is seeing. The most targets week to week, so I don't see Ridley as like a locked in alpha in in, in this offense. Uh, you know, there's there's Christian Kirk, there's there's Ingram, there's I know it's funny, but there's Zay Jones. Uh, he's still on the team. Oh, hit the laugh track, Adam. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. But <laughs> coaches, the coaches, they love they love their Zay, so um, can't can't discount that anyway. Uh, so I, I think that's the same. It's the same issue with, with Metcalf now that Jackson Smith and Jigba is, is in that offense. Now that, that formerly very uh, condensed target share target tree is, is, is going to be less condensed. So I, I, I do, I do have some hesitance in, in drafting DK Metcalf uh, where, where he's going. I, I'd much rather have Smith and Jigba and Lockett where they're going in drafts. Cause I think that, Honestly, I think that both of those guys could outscore Metcalf. Both, both of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, so I win this one. I don't know if these are, you know,
3: absolutely debates we're scoring points for, but I'd like a point, sir.
2: I. <laughs> you may yeah, not I have, have a, a point. Tony uh, Riley, I just like hitting a button. Well, one second. Guy. One second. Five. With Ridley, with Ridley, just like Deshaun Watson. Like, that's a long time, man. It is. That's a long 2020. Well,
1: like, and has- also, the last time Calvin Ridley, like, it wasn't a full season. He was bad. The last time Deshaun Watson had like a normal season, he was an MVP.
2: Right. Yeah. Ridley Ridley comes in in 2021. I know that was 20 years ago, but he but but yet to, yeah, he was he was the most devastating fantasy pick in, the, in that year for for the for the time that he played. Now, I, I know that there were some outside struggles, there were some issues going on. I I I get all that. I'm not I'm not dismissing that, but man, I feel like it's a little bit of a leap to be like Hey, Ridley, three years removed from a good season. He's back with a new team and an offense teeming with good targets with good receivers.
1: It is a really, really strange part of the board and a part of the board where I just genuinely never know what to do. I I know. Uh, I have zero DK makeup shares. I have a fair amount of Calvin Ridley shares, even though I entered draft season, like truthing him. I wrote him up, I believe, for either my bust or like my overvalued and our, our draft guide piece on that. But The ADP, I thought, stayed fairly reasonable for a while. It has been getting less reasonable. Like, I liked it a little more. He was kind of more in, like, the wide receiver 16 to 18 range. Now he's, like, more in, like, the 12 to 15 range, which might not sound like a huge difference. But, I mean, obviously – it is kind of a big difference. And I,
2: I will say in casual leagues, he's still going in that 16 to 18 range. So I am, I am that's more palatable for me.
1: There's essentially a like zero discount on him now in like the experts leagues where he That's right. He's going right he's going on an underdog between Devontae Smith and T. Higgins. It's like, wow, like what are we but it, but so we worry about like the crowded receiver core. DK Metcalf's receiver core just got like so much more crowded. DK Metcalf is having a, a very weird career. Like he yes. had like as alpha of a sophomore season as possible, and hasn't like fallen off the past two years, but is having a very very strange career trajectory, and where you could really say his his thirteen hundred yard season is the outlier so far. He had nine hundred nine sixty seven and ten forty eight for his yardage totals, thirteen hundred a major outlier. And in his initial rookie contract he has been extended, but I, I I feel like I I I I think there's a higher ceiling for Calvin Ridley. The floors are similar. Uh, the camp reports have been so good in Calvin Ridley. It could really, really, really blow up, blow up in your face. But I do feel better hitting Calvin Ridley than I do DK Metcalf. Fine. I, I lose again. And <laughs> he loses
3: again. I, I will say the, the pro DK Metcalf argument, I think, isn't that he is like a true wide receiver one. And that, that's probably not the most likely outcome with, ridley either because it's been so long since he's played football that's totally a fair point uh but i think dk could really bury us with touchdowns i do think this looks like a really strong passing attack although i think jsn takes some target share off the board for dk metcalf it also makes the offense better and last year uh dk metcalf led the nfl in end zone t- end zone targets at 23 there's a gulf of five end zone targets between him and Devonte adams and he was top five in total red zone targets like he could lead the nfl in receiving touchdowns quite easily uh, you know, I'm he, touchdown he's a certified,
1: certified, certified touchdown scores average nine yeah. per season in four years. Oh, yeah,
3: yeah. So, touchdowns are fluky, and I don't want to entirely bet on them, which is why I'm more willing to bet on Ridley. But it's another one where I definitely see paths for, uh, you know, like the AJ Brown digs
1: or yeah, AJ Brown Spawn digs debate. I see paths where DK crushes me. It, it'll it could happen. We don't have any time for the fabled rapid fire, we do have time for I forgot we had a tight end debate planned. Which is Darren Waller as the Titan Five versus Dallas Goddard as the Titan Seven. I'll tip my hand for it and say it seems awful low for Dallas Goddard's ADP, but who who wants to take the lead on Goddard versus Waller? Good, I then. will. Uh, will. It, uh, NBC says that you will, or you will be terminated.
2: Okay, then let's do it. So. Then gotta gotta do that. Yeah, I I mean, look, it, you know, Waller's old. First of all. <laughs> He okay. He got me Still, there. <laughs> and that that's that's all. That's okay. Uh, over to you, Kyle No, I mean, uh he he's old, he's missed a bunch of games. You know, like 14 his, uh,
1: games the past two years, Darren Waller has missed
2: combined. There you go. Thank you. His yards per route run has become concerning. Uh let me let me just confirm that real quick. He was also, you know, just, a
1: late breakout because of the position change. So he's a lot older yeah. than you think. He's been a
2: lot changing teams to a non explosive mm-hmm. offense. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, and, and also the Giants last year had one of the, the, the lowest uh, pass rate over expected. So I, I, I tend to not be super interested in, in him where he's going now, like like with Metcalf, like Kyle said, uh, Waller's touchdown production could absolutely bury me. Okay, like just bury me in, in the backyard. Well, could he's
1: ne- what is the deal with Darren Waller and his touchdown total? He's never been a touchdown scorer for some unknown reason. He's scored more than three touchdowns one
2: time. That's crazy. Um, wow.
1: It is crazy, and it feels like a fluke and something he certainly profiles as the red zone threat. But I just I mean I'm not a film watcher, shockingly, and maybe this just not his game. Maybe, he, maybe he's just more finesse and savvy tight end, and he's not ever a guy like burying people with his size – down in the painted area because I have never understood why he does not score more touchdowns.
2: Yeah. And then, and then, you know, the pro, the pro Goddard side is what we were just talking about. Uh, The Eagles having to keep their foot on the gas in the second half, in the fourth quarter, that increases pass volume for everyone, including Goddard, who clearly will still be the third in the pecking order in, in, in targets in Philadelphia. But uh, with how efficient that pass game is and how, and how good of overall that offense is, I'll get a peripheral option like like Goddard over uh, over Waller it, with the, with the bet that a good offense can generate decent production from Goddard.
1: Yeah, he's, Dallas Goddard to me is such a cheap piece of such a high powered offense. Like really, the only bargain you're getting with the Eagles and because uh, you're drafting Devontae Smith probably at his absolute ceiling. AJ Brown is AJ Brown. Uh, you just don't know what you're going to get out of the backfield. It could have easily been a career year for Jalen Hurts last year, and just Dallas Goddard—the only place where there's any sort of discount—he's become a very high-floor option. Uh, we know that like there's not like option four emerging in this passing game. There, Ques Watkins, like Jack Stoll, or whatever—it's just like not happening. And target share is so concentrated, or Goddard just feels so 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 much safer to me <laughs> than Darren Waller. Dallas yeah. Goddard has some injury issues of his own but Kyle put us over the top here on this debate. Well, if you want to talk about a team
3: where option number four isn't emerging, let me introduce you to the New York giants who option number two has yet to emerge. And and to me, that's, that's the big sell with, uh, you know, with going him over Goddard is that in 2020 and 2021, he was first and second in target share among tight ends. And both of those seasons, he was top five in air yard share among tight ends. Like, He's a true wide receiver one for teams you know, for teams he's played on in the past, and this is a team that is they, they traded for him to be their wide receiver one. They made very little efforts to add guys who can really command targets. They added role players, lots of them, an incredible amount of them somehow. Nice. Yes, like stunning the, the, amount of them. I know, but the <laughs> like highest ceiling player they drafted or they got in the offseason anyway, Jalen Hyatt is probably at best like a strong field stretcher who comes on late as, as a rookie. I don't see any way they're not funneling all of their passing attack through Darren Waller, and that's been all the reports from camp, too, is that he is just, every time he steps on the field, he's clearly the favorite target of Daniel Jones. He's almost the only target of Daniel Jones. I think the concerns about how he played last year, even you know when he was on the field, let's not worry about the injuries. Yeah, he he definitely took a hit last year. He's getting older, the injury concerns. I still think I'm willing to bet on his like massive target ceiling, like that could really go up there and rival like Mark Andrews, come, you know, second place Travis Kelsey, which is always the race at this point. Uh whereas Dallas Goddard, I think, is probably a higher is definitely a higher floor bet. I'm not gonna have any, you know, question about that. I think you I'd be chasing the ceiling here with Waller, though. Yeah, you kind of sold me. Okay, cool. I had to sell myself
1: too because I think I'd take Goddard. Over. So I've taken Goddard in basically every league I've been in. I,
2: I don't know. I don't know if I've become an injury truther, but mm-hmm. you know, a guy at, at, mm-hmm. at Waller's age, what is he? Thirty four?
1: No, he's a little younger than that. He's he's only thirty. He's oh, turning he's thirty. 30.
2: <laughs> he's turning thirty
1: one next month, though. Oh well,
2: so, Not thirty four, last... but thir- almost thirty one.
1: Rather large difference. In the NFL there there is. 30
2: I I, I don't know. I just I feel like. You know, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting to write the blurb. Waller misses six oh, weeks, dude. Don't you know. be to that energy. A uh, bunch of
1: really, really interesting debates. There's gonna be a lot more to be had. It's still, only August 17th. Prime drafting season is coming up. Uh, because of our summit, I have to do my home league draft next week. By the way, we're all meeting up in Stamford, Connecticut, in a few weeks, and yeah, it would normally be the week for the home league. So we're doing it next week, and now I'm just praying no one gets injured.
2: Um, so. Yeah. I'm praying to get a haircut before we go to Stanford. You are. You need to go
1: <laughs> into the big city and get one of those $150 haircuts <laughs> where they take off a quarter of an inch. And, <laughs> and, That's and, good. Yeah, everyone in your family is wondering what, just what
2: exactly you're doing in the big city. I, I'm going to be eating a lot of pasta. A lot of spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so a haircut. Um, for Kyle Dvorak, who's going on vacation, quote unquote, um, for Denny Carter, I am Patrick Darty. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week.
2: Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.